Welcome to the Author to Authority podcast. I'm Kim Thompson-Pinder, the extraordinary word ninja and founder of RTI Publishing, where we work with you to ghostwrite and publish your signature book that will double your business by attracting clientele and position you as the go-to expert in your niche. Next, we will show you how to use your book to make lead generation and conversion a snap while building an audience. My guests include professionals, entrepreneurs, and coaches who use their skills to build people powerfully. They will share their story and powerful tips that will help you live better. They will also share their writing journey and how it has impacted their life and the lives of their readers. If you've ever wondered if writing a book makes a difference, then this podcast is for you. Welcome to the Author to Authority podcast. And I love what's been happening lately is I've had an opportunity to meet some really amazing people. And you guys are getting to meet them here on the podcast. Well, John Cronemeyer is one of them. And uh, you've heard us talk a lot about Larry Levine on the show. And uh, John is a friend of Larry's. So you know that you are going, it's going to be an amazing time today. So in the past nine years, John has led a wide range of organizations from startup companies to industry-leading corporations. In each case, he has used his high energy and relationship-building spills to create a culture that sales thrives in. And John attributes his drive, passion, and leadership qualities to his background in athletics. Uh, He grew up in competitive sports and has instilled what teamwork and accountability really means to a company. And in 2019, John started his podcast, Biz Bites with JK. And actually, just a couple of days ago, I had the opportunity to be on his podcast. Uh, So you can go check that out. It's called Biz Bites with JK and his company, hoping to give back to the sales industry what he has learned from it. So whether you're dealing with leadership challenges, motivational challenges, filling your pipeline, or frankly just need a no BS option on how to scale your sales, John is going to help you find solutions to create your authentic approach to winning. So welcome to the show, John. Thank you, Kim, for having me. I'm excited to be here. (laughs) And thanks for doing my podcast with me. Uh, I think we were on Monday, which is a few short days ago. It was wonderful to have you. Oh, it was an amazing experience. I loved being on your show. And then I was so excited that you were coming on mine. And I know today you want to talk about the power of the pivot in business. And I think as entrepreneurs, you know, it's something that we've all had to do. Even myself, I mean, my business has always been digital, predominantly online, but there were still some areas that I needed to pivot and change. And the one thing, I'm not big on the word pivot because it's become the new term. Mm -hmm. But one thing that I agree with with the term pivot is, you know, you think of it as standing on your one tippy toe and you just kind of spin yourself around, you know, you don't have to go, you don't have to move away from what you're already doing. To me, pivoting is looking at it from a new direction. Absolutely. So, so John, why don't you take a few minutes, introduce yourself, and share some of your story with us? Because I know you've been in sales for a very long time, and you've got this journey that you've been on that I think is really going to encourage all of our entrepreneurs, professionals, and coaches out there. 
Absolutely. Well, first we got to give a shout out to Larry for connecting us. Uh, <laughs> I love that guy and congratulations on his success and your success with his book. And, and thanks for having me again. Yeah. I, you know, I grew up in, in Niagara Falls and it That's was Canada. in Canada. It was a much smaller town back then. I grew up with amazing parents. My father was always in sales gone during the week, back on the weekends. And growing up in sports, he always managed to get me to my sports events. And uh, we, we had a, a very good relationship. It grew much stronger when I got into sales, but I never intended on getting into sales. I was a sports guy. I loved it. I went to school in Montreal at University Concordia University there, played football, and I was determined to be a sports guy, an athletic director, working in a sports department, uh, something of that nature. And that's kind of where I, I was really, really uh, excited to do. And we talk a little bit about pivots and, and we had an, an unfortunate situation when we were just finishing university. I met my wife there and her parents had transferred jobs back to Hamilton, Ontario. And unfortunately, her father got sick, my wife being the only child, we had to make a major decision whether we stay in Montreal or do we come back and, and support uh, her father and, and her mom. And so we made a decision in 2003 to move back to Hamilton, Ontario. And I picked up the phone and I called my dad and I said, gosh, dad, I, I need a job. I have nothing. Uh, I'm looking for sports jobs. There was nothing available is there anything you can do to get me something part-time or temporary that I can get some income? And he was in the flooring business and he was uh, kind enough to set me up with an interview for his senior sales position. I was at that time, 26 years old, had never had any sales experience in my life. And I thought, there's no way I'm going to get this job. I went in and I sat down and I interviewed and in my head, I was making not, not a lot of money, but I had a, I had a marker that a benchmark that I thought I, I have to make this or I'm not taking this job anyway. And I had no idea what sales you could make. And so I went back for the second interview and they offered me the job. They gave me a number and I wanted to jump up and scream because I could not anticipate, and I was getting car allowance, and I was getting this, and I thought, I'm going to keep quiet and cool, like I, I knew what I was talking about, and I, I walked out, and I was over the moon excited, so I thought, this is going to be a great, great temporary job, and 18 years later, in the flooring business, uh, in sales, making some major pivots throughout the way, but um, I just fell in love with the industry of sales. And it wasn't the product that I was selling. It was the people that I was meeting. It was the contacts that I was connecting to, friends. At some cases, some of them have become family. And throughout my career, I knew sales was where I wanted to be, but I always wanted to take those next steps into leadership roles. And so throughout my career, I, I made some changes in different companies, same industry, 
but gained a tremendous amount of knowledge and started to work for smaller companies, jumped into bigger companies. And the company that I'm currently with, but looking at um, leaving, which is the other side of the story, is really uh, an opportunity where I took a company from scratch. We were very much entrepreneurial to uh, building a sales force, building leadership roles, building leadership layers, and developing um, the, the funnel and the prospecting side and, and gaining traction throughout Canada. And it's been a tremendous experience. And I really wanted this to be the final job that I wanted. And as I said that uh, throughout the last few months, I want this to be the final job. I want this to be a final job. I realized I don't want a job. Um, I want to do something that I'm really, I really love and I'm really passionate about. And sales is what I really love and what I'm really passionate about. And, you know, four or five months ago, Kim, I've started to be very active on social media. And I started to notice that there's just a lot of, we'll say, interesting information mm-hmm. and uh, non-valuable information and um, irrelevant information that sales people are putting out into social media. And it was started to bother me. And so for that reason, I started my podcast and I started to connect with like-minded people, gentlemen like Larry, and really started to understand that I could make more of a difference in our sales industry because it's such an amazing world. Yes. I really thought I need to make some major decisions here. And so that's leading me to my new path of where I'm going now. That is awesome. Wanted to touch in on a couple of things. How important is it? for entrepreneurs to really learn how to sell? Because, you know, so many people want to be entrepreneurs, but S almost be- sales almost becomes like the S word. Yeah. It's, if you want to be an entrepreneur, you have to grow your business. And growing your business ultimately comes down to a sale. Mm-hmm. And, you know, sale is, is, is a four-letter word that can mean so many different things to people. But, you know, I've always classified sales as sell a solution to a customer, be authentic, be level-headed, and be empathetic. Mm. You could be an accountant trying to grow your business. You could be a lawyer trying to grow his or her business. You could be selling basketballs to widgets. It doesn't matter if you're an entrepreneur, which is now no different than what I'm trying to to move from a corporation into my own company. You need to understand that you need to, you need to grow your business and it's sale, but it's not transactional. There's no T in sale. Hmm, Not about the money. It's got to be about offering opportunities that's going to better your customer. You have to be you. You have to be real. Mm. You have to be passionate about what you're selling. And you certainly cannot go in there with your toolbox ready to deliver. Um, There's a great statement by a gentleman I met, just recently met um, Tibor Shanto. And his statement was, 
leave your toolbox in your car when you go meet your, your client. Roll the window down, let it breathe a little bit, but go in there with a blank canvas and a paintbrush because that's what a sale really is, is sitting down, developing a relationship, finding out what your client's needs are. What do you really, what, what can you really help them with? Because each client is different. And then come back, paint your painting and bring in a great opportunity to solve a problem that they may have. Yes. And so it's so important for them to understand how to make a sale. It's not about the money in. If, if, if it becomes the money in, then you may want to make another pivot and change the direction of where you're going. Mm. And, and it's hard, especially as an entrepreneur, because, you know, sometimes you just have to bring money in. Yep. And, and there is a great temptation out there to, you know, make everything about the dollar sign. But that's yeah, not absolutely. how you grow a true business. No. No, you have to find out what you're offering to your potential clients. You have to go out and build your network. You have to fill your pipeline. There's the, the math behind the sale, but it's not about the transaction with mm -hmm. your customer. And customers understand that. And Larry's a prime example of that message, empty suits. And walking in, you as a, because we've all been customers, to yes. a degree. We all know when somebody is making the salesy pitch versus somebody that genuinely wants to do business with you. You may not, or they may not fit with what you're looking for. Yes. But there's a, there's an essence of, of genuous or a, a, a genuine feel and authenticity there that, you know, that if I ever need that, I'm going, I'm, I'm going to call that, that lady. She was, she had, an understanding of what I really needed. And it's just not a fit right now. So the sale itself can't be the transaction. The process of making a sale is really what's going to grow your business. And that's, that's been a large focus of where I'm taking my path and mm -hmm. everybody has their lane. In fact, again, I'll drop that famous name. Larry um, made a comment to me a long time ago, stay in your lane. And it took me a little time to discover what my real lane was because being in the sales world for 18 years, you've been a part of all different dynamics of a sales organization. Yes. But where I've really tried to hone in on and where entrepreneurs really have to get really, really strong at is the prospecting side of it. Yeah. How to go out and generate leads. And I use the word generate because everybody refers to looking in an inbox for an opportunity as generating a lead mm. inbound versus outbound is far yes. different on how you're going to generate success in your business. And that is going out and finding opportunities. So I'm going to stop you there for a second because you mm. use two terms. I know what they mean, but there may be a lot of entrepreneurs because that's the very specific sales terms. So can you just really quickly describe what's inbound and what's outbound? Absolutely. So, an inbound lead is a great opportunity that comes to you. And it's an exactly what that term means. Now you can, you can generate inbound leads by being creative through strategic marketing campaigns, email campaigns, something goes out in a mass and you start to get inbound inquiries into your inbox, text messages, social media, whatever it may be. 
and inquiring about your business. That's an inbound lead. And we call those warm leads or opportunities that have, for the most part, been in the early stages of a qualification process because, yeah. frankly speaking, they're reaching out to you. Yeah. So Referrals as well, same thing. Exactly, exactly. Anything that comes to you from a mass process or from, a, back to your point, from a referral base is what we call inbound leads. Okay. So Outbound that's... are the harder ones. <laughs> <laughs> and I could pick up my phone right now, which is the most famous and the best way of generating outbound um, opportunities. But outbound is the challenge one because your inbound leads aren't necessarily, and depending on the entrepreneurial opportunity that you're going after, if you're going after large companies, typically speaking, large companies are not coming to you because they get so many opportunities coming to them. Yes. And the inbound leads are really, really great for a lot of entrepreneurs to get started. But if you want to scale your business, there has to be a very good blend of what you're getting in to what you have to go get. And yes. the larger opportunities are typically the ones that you have to pick up the phone. And as Jeb Blunt so famously says, interrupt your customer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so true. Yeah, so true. Yeah, if, you, if you're only relying on what comes into your business, it's never going to grow. You have to learn, no, I, you have to learn to, how to be able to get out there. You know, right. one of the things that, one of the six areas that I'm going to be covering, you know, in my author to authority book I'm writing this year is building that network yeah. of people. And one thing, just to go back quickly, you know, you talked about the fact that, you know, a person might not be ready for you right now, but, you know, when they are, they come to you. But there's another aspect of that. When you're genuine and when, you know, you're not trying to force or push a sale, but, you know, you're keeping that relationship as the key, a lot of times those people may never work with you, but they do refer business to you. You know, I had a situation where um, I met a gentleman last year at a networking event and, um, you know, he wanted to have a book done and we started the process, but he just had a lot of incredible circumstances happening in his life and it just slowed to nothing. And basically we never started his book. December 30th or December 31st, somewhere around, I don't know, it was Christmas week. I was actually taking time off. Doesn't <laughs> happen very often. I get this email from this gentleman. Okay, we've never worked together. We only met once. I obviously made an impression on him because he referred me to somebody. Yeah. And we are now doing their book and it's two business partners and the, the lady business partner knows 50 million other people that she's now referring to me. Yeah. And, you know, this... This gentleman, because I put the relationship first, you know, I could have pushed the sale and said, yeah, you've got these circumstances, but we can still do it and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, all those things you try and do to push someone to do something they don't want to do. I could have done all those things, but I just said, you know what, what you're going through is hard and I get it. I understand, you know, if there's anything I can do to help and support you, you know, through this process. And we, we talked about some things, you know, there was some, there were some questions that he still had. And I was like, okay, 
And I answered them, you know, we did the phone calls, I invested that time in him. And it didn't turn out and I didn't get angry or upset. I was just like, you know what, when you're ready, I'm here. And I've said that to quite a few people. Okay, the time's not right now. Yeah, I'm still going to be here when you're ready. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And you know what happens is, is then further down the road, all of a sudden they're ready and guess who they contact because I didn't try to push them into something they weren't ready to do. Well, Kim, we are a prime example of what referral business is, both you and I. We've connected because I was referred to you by an extremely happy customer in Larry. And and I know that we've had that conversation where I want to write a book with you, mm-hmm. but it's not. I'm not ready yet in my journey and mm-hmm. you're extremely busy as well right now and but we're going to we're going to do this Kim and it's going to be amazing when we do that's it right. but yeah. that's the power of a referral when somebody's authentic and genuine and and you really get that sense of connection and sale is so much from a relationship building but you know what i do is my real focus is uncovering the math behind the sale and mm-hmm. when you look at it from an entrepreneurial perspective you need to generate opportunities and we had this conversation right before we started this podcast is the, you, you hit a, a key buzzword called ratio. And what is the ratio of prospecting that you need to do versus inbound versus referral? And what we consider referral is organic growth. Yes. Um, depending on the entrepreneurial avenue that they're going down, it might be service-based where it's a one cell and you hope on the referral. It could be re- recurring and recurring or cross-selling opportunities within your own customer base is organic prospecting as well. And there's got to be a portion. And so really what the key for a lot of entrepreneurs at this, their phase and their early stages of growth is what percentage do I have to spend prospecting cold outbound? Is it an hour a day? Is it four hours a day because I'm new? and I have no inbound, what percentage do they have to spend on inbound and what percentage do they cultivate, nurture, and drive organic opportunities with their existing customer base? And then it comes down to the math again of how how much do they wanna scale their business? Are they happy with the amount of business they have? Or are they getting so much opportunities coming in, their organic is growing, they can't prospect anymore. So now they bring in another layer or they continue to grow and the cycle continues again and they have to refine their ratios. And it's an interesting process to go through, mm-hmm. but it's an exciting process when you understand exactly what those ratios are to where you want to bring it to. But you can never forget how to build and, and secure those relationships. And there's a lot of good information and that's people's lanes like Larry's and yourself and, um, and on, on the, mm-hmm. the actual relationship portion of the sale. That is so important to do. But a lot of people have great relationship building skills. Yes. Are, and I've met a ton of people that are just, they're just likable people <laughs> and you just want to be around them but they don't know how to find opportunities. Yes. Yeah. And that's, 
And when you have a great person that wants to be an entrepreneur, that wants to grow the business, and she just is so likable and she's so um, energetic and you know that she's going to be successful, but she has no clue how to generate mm-hmm. opportunities. Those that's a big, it's a big, big component of, of how to scale a business. Let's focus in on that a little bit, because I think that's something that's really valuable. And I can't remember if we actually talked about this on your podcast or if we talked about it after the podcast, because we had a really great conversation after recording. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I remember we were talking about the fact that, you know, building, you've got to build your funnel 90 days out. So mm-hmm. why don't you talk about that a little bit? Because I think that's some key numbers that people need to understand. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, I'll, I'll give some credit to Jeb Blunt on this one. Um, on his, uh, He's got a great book out there called Fanatical Prospecting. But um, essentially what the premise behind it is, is there's a prospecting cycle that people don't always understand. And you see it a lot in sales organizations that have tremendous two-month, three-month runs. And then the fourth month, it's dismal sales. And they can't figure out what happened. And you look at the sales numbers and each independent salesperson's numbers are down. And then you start to dial in. And when you dial into that, you, if you really scale back and you look at what their pipeline looks like, it's, I, I can bet you dollars to donuts that it is weak and there's not a lot in the pipeline. And what ends up happening is people get caught and it's, it, it's, a, it's the delusion law. And they look at it at, oh man, I'm having tremendous success. Killer month. Next month is shaping up to be just as great. And they take the foot off the prospecting gas. Mm-hmm. So they stop, they stop putting those leads and they stop doing the prospecting and getting people into the top of that pipeline or funnel. Absolutely. And what ends up happening there is it's a 90-day cycle. We live in the terms of three with prospecting. You prospect for 30 days, really, really great. 90 days later, you will have a very healthy pipeline and you will have a good month of sales. Mm. It's just the way it works. For some reason, it's the 30, 60, 90 rule, but it also works in reverse. If you take your foot off the gas for a week or two weeks or a month, 90 days later, your pipeline will be weak. And typically speaking in our, in a lot of industries, you'll see people that take two weeks vacation or a week vacation, or even worse, they have great months and they take the foot off the gas for a month. They will have, ultimately speaking, they'll have weak month, 90 days later. So what the key is, is if my ratio is I have to prospect and make 25 outbound calls a day, in order for me to continue to fill my pipeline, if I take a day off or I know I have a week coming up off, I have to ramp up my prospecting before or my prospecting after in order to continue to fill the pipeline. And if they do that, they typically, economically aside, they typically will not have or see a significant deep and they'll be consistent in their in their sales and their, um, and their goals that they're trying to achieve for, for prospecting. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a, it's a unique number because the other part of the number is most people will fill their pipeline and they'll say, well, I've got a 10% close ratio. 
well, they filled their pipeline with 30 people and they're closing 10%. So they closed three of those 30. And most people think, well, I have to replace three people in my prospecting line. The reality of it is, is they have to replace 27 because they've qualified 30 as potential candidates. They've closed three. That means the other 27 are non-closable. And even though there could be some, they don't necessarily sweep them away, but that's the ratio. Now they have to refill their pipeline with 27 new potential because they closed 10. So again, it it's just a math game. And if they understand the simplicity of the, each portion of what math equation works for them, mm. prospecting becomes actually very easy. Yes. Yes. Wow, that's pretty cool. So talk about talk a little bit about how as an entrepreneur you can track these things. Well, I've always said from the minute that I became into sales and got comfortable with CRM systems, it's your best friend. Um, there's no surprise that the number one, number two salespeople in any organization are typically the ones that are number one and number two in using CRM systems. Mm -hmm. And if you don't have a CRM, create one. And Excel can be your greatest friend with a few simple math Excel equations in, in the spreadsheet just to understand where you are with your, with your leads and your prospects. Mm -hmm thing I like about the CRM is you could generally slice, dice, cut, chop, and create simple and easy reports, output reports to show you exactly what your conversion rate is, yes. what your leads are, how many leads you have in the pipeline, how many are qualified. More importantly, it also allows you to create an organized prospecting process. And a lot of people just pick up the phone and start calling rather than start to organize their day and designating time for prospecting. They just go in their CRM and the first thing that pops up, they call. But what they should be doing is allowing that CRM to generate what is the easiest way for you mm -hmm. to start calling, to be as efficient as you can in your prospecting process. Why call a lead that you've called three times because it's time for them to call and popped up in your CRM versus a, a lead that is a extremely hot lead that you know they're in their buying window. You, you've already pre-qualified them. Call them first. And I know it sounds easy, but that's what a CRM does. And CRMs are not a lot of money. A lot of organizations can, can get into a simplistic CRM system or again, like I said, create one, but that is going to be your biggest friend on how to organize your world. Yeah. Secondary to that, Kim, there is no magic bullet <laughs> outside of that for prospecting. If you go on LinkedIn or any social media platform, they will try to sell you every type of silver lining or magic bullet tool to fill your pipeline and fill your... There is nothing other than real hard work, dedication, organization, and getting it done prospecting. That's the real world of prospecting. You can organize all you want, and there's a lot of great systems to do it. But you still got to pick up the phone. So here's a question for you. 
Um, because, you know, most of my audience are sort of solo entrepreneurs or maybe, you know, they have a couple of people working with them, you know, and they're working hard, they're scaling their business. When is it time to start a sales team? Because, you know, usually when you're just starting off yourself, you do everything, but it, it does hit a point when you can't do any, everything. And if you want to really scale your business, you have to start bringing in others. So maybe you can talk for a few minutes about, you know, when is it time and what does that process start to look like? Yeah, because a that's question. a pivot. That's a pivot. That's a huge pivot when you go from just you selling to now developing that sales team. Yeah. And it's a great question. You know, it's, um, I'm working with a, an opportunity right now, an accountant that has a great story on how to help organizations. And this accountant is not a salesperson, but they need to generate business before they go and hire a salesperson. So, you know, the, the magic number is going to be what they want. If somebody is happy making an X amount of dollars, they don't need millions coming in, mm -hmm. then you don't necessarily have to go and hire somebody. You can have all kinds and scale your business at the rate that you want to scale it. There's so many free and helpful tools from virtual assistants out there to take away the admin stuff to, you know, HubSpot that has free opportunities for CRMs if you want. And you can scale it the way you want to scale it. But if you do get to a point where you find the, that you need to add that layer, it's typically the time I've always looked at it when I'm building regions and within companies, when a salesperson, meaning the entrepreneurial owner, identifies that they are no longer able to keep up with the volume of prospecting, conversion, and relationship building that is happening within their existing business. When the components outside are causing distractions from the sale process, mm -hmm. that's when it's time to either make two decisions. One, time to hire somebody to help them so they can continue the sale process. Or two, hire a salesperson to come in so they can take care of the back end stuff. It really comes down to time management. It's always been the key. And people will give you magic numbers and people will try to trade, you know, take your business and, and say, okay, well, this is when you have to do it. It's when you hit this number. Well, what makes you think that? Maybe it's an earlier number, depending on your business. Maybe it's a double the number. It just depends on the time. If your time is taken away on a daily basis from what you have to do to scale your business to where you want to get it to because of the back end stuff, that's the moment where you need to look at making a pivot, either hiring the help or hiring the sale. So I guess the next question would be, you know, how do you find somebody to hire? You know what? It's, it's a, <laughs> oh, that's the magic question. That's so my last tagline in there is the, 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 the no BS. And, and the reason I put that in there is I've always had a keen ability to see through people and it's really difficult to just post and hire. You want to hire somebody that is going to have the same cultural beliefs as the company 
your mission, your vision is very well established when you're hiring and they believe in that particular mission or vision that you're, you're trying to achieve. They fit your, what your culture is. They fit your mindset. It's a hard process to go through hiring. People typically are quick to hiring, quick to, to, to gun. And, and that's the problem where then you have the high turnover and, and so on and so forth. So I'm, I'm a big proponent of, um, I do use LinkedIn. I do use Indeed. There's a ton of different tools out there to bring in opportunities. You treat your hires like you treat your prospects. Um, you, 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 you have to, you know, it, it's, it's, a, it's a weeding out process in order for them to be the right fit. But there's a ton of tools. The other options that I like to use as well, I would hope that every entrepreneurial has somebody, a mentor or a business coach or a business consultant um, that is with them or helping them, guiding them through. Always, always, always find somebody else to interview that person and capture what you're missing because the mindset of the entrepreneur is I need help. There's a warm body. They seem pretty cool. All right, let's just get this going. And that's the wrong process. So get somebody else to come in and help. And, you know, they don't rush the process. In some cases, it might be urgent, but find the right fit that's going to be able to help you really scale your business. And if that takes an extra month or two months, let that seat be empty. Um, it's, it's going to be far worth it than hiring. Like I like to use the warm body analogy. Mm-hmm. Or hiring the empty suit. <laughs> or hiring the empty suit. And that goes to the cultural side, right? That those are, those are the questions and those are the, that's the feel that you should have when somebody walks through your door. And it doesn't matter what that person's background is. I've hired many people that are not in that industry that I'm particularly hiring for. But there's a genuine, authentic feel to that human that walks in. And he or she, I know, is trainable, believe in the process, and are excited and energetic to go out. The last thing I have seen is don't hire an accountant for a salesperson, just as you wouldn't hire a salesperson to be your accountant. Have somebody that has the qualities of what a a sales professional is, uh, because I too often see people that do those things and um, be very, very sure that the person has those qualities that somebody has in a sales professional. Um, it's no different than, than, than making the mistake of hiring an inexperienced lawyer or publisher or accountant. Wow, John, that's been pretty cool. I really <laughs> enjoyed this conversation. Yeah, no, I really, uh, I really appreciate you having me on. I was excited to do this. And one of the things that I liked about what you said is you, you focused in on the numbers. And I think that's where entrepreneurs are have not been taught yeah. to understand their numbers. See, because when you understand your numbers, then you know how you can scale. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if you, you know, let's say you're making 50000 a year and you want to go to 100000 a year, right? Yeah. Then you you got to understand all of your numbers. So you have to understand how, you know, how much more prospecting are you going to do? You have to factor in the time. 
um, you know, do you have the staff to uh, then implement this? Because it's great to go from 50 to 100,000. But, you know, if you can barely keep up with what you're doing now, how do you scale to 100,000? So those are some of the indicators that, you know, maybe you need to start bringing in other people to help you as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. There, there's a lot of people out there, including myself, um, that understand how the prospecting numbers work. And in a lot of cases, entrepreneurs will not have any numbers because it's new. So what is a number to them? They don't know because they're just starting. So my advice to them is start. Start mm. prospecting. Yes. Don't wait for the numbers to come to you because you have none. And my advice coming in working with entrepreneurs is let's not worry about the the numbers will come. We have the business plan. We get it. You know where you want to scale this to. We have your target market. You understand your audience. You have your company story. You have your sales story. We get all that. Pick up the phone, dedicate an hour, put your phone in your drawer, lock it, shut your door, take your email off and just prospect and get the process started and do that in time blocks. We live in time blocks in prospecting. Is two hours? Is it three hours? If it's an entrepreneur, it's probably three hours and do an hour in the morning, an hour in the afternoon and an hour right before the power hours end, which Mm -hmm. is the golden hours, which is at five o'clock and get your prospecting time done. The numbers will come. You will have to scale and ramp and you will see other organizations or entrepreneurs that are a little bit further down the road, let's look at the numbers. And then we can identify exactly how much you need, where you need it, where you're weak, and we can focus and target on those areas. But if you're starting your business, start prospecting. Social sell is great. It's a longer track to get progress. And a lot of people focus on that. Well, I'm reaching on LinkedIn. I made a connect. I made four connections today. That's wonderful. But a connection is not a touch point of a conversation about your company. So there is social selling. It's a, it's an important Mm -hmm. part of it. Yeah. But prospect, pick up the phone, dial. Talk to somebody. (laughs) Talk to a human being. We're, we're all there. We're not all mean. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and and here's the thing too, if you've, you know, if you've already been on social media and started to establish a relationship, right? So, because yep. we're, yeah, there is cold calling, okay? But, you know, it's still cold calling if you've just started to establish a relationship. But at least if you've, you know, made a few little inroads or, you know, had a conversation on social media, a positive conversation on social media, if you pick up the phone and call the person, they're at least likely to talk to you and not hang up on you. That's right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Or schedule. And yeah. the process, you know, we, obviously we, we could, I could talk hours on the on, the, on how to line up your prospecting calls and how you arrange it and how you want to have those discussion points. But so we're going to have you back on (laughs) (laughs) or your audience can call, but, um, but you definitely just, it just needs to happen and you just got to get going. There's a social uh, selling component of it for sure. hundred percent. But there's, there's the, the raw outbound, following up with your inbound leads of real prospecting touch points with humans. And here's the thing. Are you going to be good at that first? Maybe, maybe probably not. (laughs) It's, 
you know, I'm, I, I, I say I'm a, I'm a personable guy. I'm, I, I love sales, but prospecting is not easy. And no. the minute you think it's really, really easy is the minute you take the gas off the pedal and 90 days later, you will have an empty funnel. So it's not easy but it's necessary. It's a yes. necessary part. It's no different than setting up your merchant baking account for your business. It's no different than getting your, your website up and running. It's, it's, it's a necessity. It's a necessary part of scaling your business. It's prospecting and people cannot forget it. To be honest, you can build a business without ever having a website. Mm-hmm. And technically you could start your business without having a merchant account. You could. You do need a bank account. I, yeah. I do, you do need a separate bank account for your business because if you're ever audited, oh, it becomes messy. So yes, you need, <laughs> you don't, you don't even need to have a business bank account for your business. You just need to have a separate one. Yeah, so, exactly. But if you don't prospect, you don't have a business, you have a hobby. That's right. Yeah. It's a great way of looking at it. Absolutely. Kim. So John, how can people connect with you? Yeah, so I'm on all the social media platforms, but LinkedIn would be the the best one for me or Instagram. Um, I'm excited. I, I know it's not necessary, but I am excited to launch uh, my website. It'll be www.jcrony. That's J-K-R-O-N-Y.com. And I um, call me 905-233-2427. Um, please uh, touch base if you have any questions or, or I can help in any way. That is awesome, John. Thank you so much for being on the show. So this has been John Cronemeyer and Kim Thompson-Pinder on the Author to Authority podcast. Thanks so much for listening, and we will see you on the very next episode. Bye now. Thank you so much for listening to the Author to Authority podcast. I have a free gift for you. I'd like to invite you to download a sample of my newest book, Author to Authority, coming out this year. If you enjoy the podcast, you will enjoy learning how becoming an author can change not only your life, but your business as well. Go to www.authortoauthority.com forward slash free dash sample. So that is www.authortoauthority.com forward slash free sample. Have a great day and stay safe. Thank you.